You're listening to Expat Property Story, a podcast in which I share my story to smooth the way for you to have your own Expat Property Story. Hello there. Welcome to episode 24, which is the first in our pocket-sized daily podcast series on all things tax, featuring friend of the pod, Sean, the property tax accountant. And if you want to know more about Sean, you might want to go back to the last episode, number 23, for the introduction to this mini-series. Now, if you listen to yesterday's show, you'll remember that Sean is himself an expat property investor based in the Caribbean, and as a chartered accountant, is more qualified than most to talk about property tax through an expat lens. I must stress, however, that all the material in this series has been prepared for informational purposes only, and you should consult your own tax, legal and accounting advisors before engaging in any property transactions. So in this episode, Sean is going to answer the question he gets asked the most. Should you buy in your personal name or through a limited company? Without a doubt, the most common question. And the main reason for that is Section 24. This was introduced in 2017 and was gradually introduced for around about five years after that point. So it's now fully in place. And and what it did was place a cap on the deductibility of mortgage interest when calculating a landlord's taxable profits on their rental income. But this only applies to properties that are owned by landlords in their personal name. So it doesn't apply to limited companies. So for those landlords that did own properties in their own name, because of that cap on the amount of mortgage interest that could be deducted when calculating their taxable profits, what they found over the course of those five years is is that their tax bill has increased substantially, taking that to the extreme if they were very, very highly leveraged. So they had very high loan to values and perhaps paying very high interest rates, uh, which I appreciate not many people are doing at the moment. Theoretically, they could actually find that their tax bills were actually higher than their accounting profits. So what this did was cause a lot of landlords to then start looking at limited companies. And of course, that is because for the reasons I mentioned is is that that restriction does not apply. Now, what I have seen over the last few years, particularly for new property investors that are obviously investing in property, they now assume that using a limited company is the only way to go, whereas that is absolutely not the case. It really is a numbers game. There are still big benefits of owning properties in personal names relative to in a limited company. Providing they have little or no UK income, British expats should consider three main factors when deciding whether to hold property personally or through a limited company. So number one, it really depends on whether that investor is a basic or high rate taxpayer. It's really important to note that Section 24 and that restriction on the deductibility of of mortgage interest, it's only high rate taxpayers that are getting stung. And therefore, if somebody is a basic rate taxpayer, then Section 24, quite frankly, is largely irrelevant. So if I put myself in the shoes of an expat property investor, the chances are that that investor has negligible UK sourced income if they're working abroad. So they don't have any employment in the UK. Maybe they have very little in the way of savings income in the UK, which is the case for the vast majority of people given interest rates are so low. So what that then means is that the expat property investor generally has available to them their full personal tax-free allowance of 12 and a half grand per year. 
you can double that up if it's a husband and wife with a joint ownership of that property. So a husband and wife could theoretically have profits before tax after the deduction of mortgage interest of up to around about £25,000 per year, which could be completely tax-free. As I say, this is only an issue for high-rate taxpayers. And to be a high-rate taxpayer, you need to be earning over £50,000 in the UK per year. So even if somebody has, or husband and wife team, has property income of over twenty-five grand, then they're still going to be a basic rate taxpayer until they hit that fifty grand threshold or hundred grand between them. So therefore, at this point, just considering this particular circumstance, there's no driver to move into that limited company. Section 24, it's only relevant to those that are high rate taxpayers, and in particular, those that are highly leveraged. So a high rate taxpayer could have no mortgage, for example. And then again, Section 24 is irrelevant. So the disadvantages of using a limited company in this case, if somebody is a basic rate taxpayer, for example, or an expat, is if they use the limited company, that company is going to pay tax from the first pound of profit in that company at 19% at the moment. Whereas, as I say, an expat is going to have that full personal allowance. So again, there's no real need to move into a limited company subject to other factors which I'll consider. So that's the first one. Can I just ask a couple of questions before you move to factors two and three? Absolutely. So HMRC looks at your income from all sources, i.e. salary, dividends from stocks and shares, and then they add that to your taxable rental profit, which is your rental income minus expenses, but ignoring mortgage interest payments. Is that correct so far? Correct. Yes. So if that figure takes you over the basic rate of tax threshold, which is 50,000 now, is that right? It's 50,270 pounds. Then all your rental income will be charged at the higher rate of tax. That's 40% rather than the basic rate of 20%. Is that correct? It's only the income above that threshold that would be taxed at 40%. So in the UK, we operate what is called a progressive tax system. So you go through various steps. So in the first band, which is your personal allowance of 12 and a half grand, you don't pay any tax, income tax that is. Well, I'm not even going to cover national insurance here. And then between 12 and a half, and let's just call it 50, you'll pay 20% tax. And then anything over and above 50, you'll pay at 40%. And then let's not consider the additional rate of 45%, which is well over 100 grand. You then calculate the tax that would be due on that income. And then from that amount of tax, you deduct 20% of your mortgage interest. So it reduces the amount of tax rather than reducing the amount of taxable income. Is that correct? That is correct. And that was the fundamental change of Section 24, whereas previously an individual would calculate their profits from their rental income by taking their rental income, deducting all of their expenses, including their mortgage interest to get to a net rental income. And then that would be added on to their employment income and then tax would be applied accordingly. But you are absolutely correct in the sense that mortgage interest is initially ignored total up that income, you apply the tax calculation, so the amount of tax in each band, and then you get a tax credit equivalent to 20%, so the basic rate of tax, 20% of the mortgage interest paid. So what happens? I'm an expat now. My idea is that I'm when I go back to the UK, I will not be a salaried employee. But hey, life gets in the way things could change. What would you say to someone who doesn't really know what the future holds? Is it not safer 
to go down the limited company route and then change strategy later? Again, that is also an excellent question. A lot may well depend on somebody's age. So say, for example, that an expat who's maybe in their 20s might be returning to the UK at, say, age 30. They have still got lots of their life remaining, let's say, uh, to perhaps have children. And that's one of the factors that I'll consider in a moment. They have um, perhaps lots of time to build up their careers, for example. And if they're starting to think, yes, I'm going to be a high rate taxpayer in the future, from non-property income sources, or they might want to have children to pass on those properties too, then yes, that certainly makes a limited company much more attractive. Whereas if an expat is perhaps towards the end of their career, they're in their 50s, say, and as you say, you're not going to work for the man in the future. And if you don't have children and you plan on selling those properties, then that makes personal ownership much more attractive. But one thing I really want to make clear here is, and I always say this to my clients, is it's not one or the other. We don't need to shift from one extreme or the other. A mixed approach could well apply. So you may own perhaps your first few properties in your own name, utilizing your personal allowance. They're the ones that you may well decide to sell perhaps during your retirement and to live on the the proceeds from that property and the capital gains associated with it. And then perhaps if you do have children, those are the properties that you want to pass on to those children. They're the ones that you'd perhaps put into a limited company. I mean, a lot of people usually think in terms of, well, I will start with personally held properties and then move into limited company properties. But sometimes it might be worth doing it the other way around so that you start with limited company. And then as you see your situation develop, and maybe you're thinking in terms of the kinds of income you want during retirement, it might be better to do it the other way around. Absolutely. Yes. It's a numbers game. And that's exactly what I help my clients do is devise the right business model and structure for their specific facts and circumstances and their goals and objectives to the best of their knowledge today. It's almost like writing an insurance policy, really. So you said there are various factors to consider. And the first one was to do with whether you're a basic rate taxpayer or a higher rate taxpayer. What are the other two factors? The second one is whether the individual intends to reinvest the profits back into the the property business or whether they want to live on those profits today. So many invest in property for the longer term. They're not interested in the cash flows uh, today. They just simply want to reinvest to buy more properties. And again, this particular factor is very relevant to higher rate taxpayers. So let's just work through an example here. Forget the deductibility of mortgage interest for the moment. We know that higher rate taxpayers are going to get stoned. But let's say somebody that's a higher rate taxpayer owns a property and they want to reinvest all of the profits from the rental income into new properties. Now, first off, they're going to pay 40% tax on all of those rental profits and then reinvest it. So only leave 60% to reinvest in the future. If, however, those properties were owned in a limited company, then those profits are taxed at corporation tax rates, which are currently just 19%. What's better, 19% tax or 40% tax? Clearly, the 19% tax is better because that means there's more profits to reinvest in the future. Now, there's a big caveat here. If somebody owns a limited company, and again,
again is is a high rate taxpayer if they suddenly start to say right i want to start withdrawing the profits today rather than reinvesting the company is going to pay tax at the 19% corporation tax rate but then if they withdraw those profits from the company as dividends that individual who's a high rate taxpayer will then pay dividend tax on those dividends at 33.75% now, the rates just increased by one and a quarter earlier this month. And so in effect, they're paying 19% plus another 30, almost 34%. So that, that's clearly much more than 40% just as a straight higher rate taxpayer. So again, it's really, really important to define your goals as early as possible because changes in that process or, or in that strategy can be fairly expensive. You said that corporation tax is currently 19%, but there are plans for it to go up and there will be thresholds ranging up to 23%. If you're running a limited company, there's profits before tax of less than £50,000. There's really no change. Absolutely no change. And then the new higher rates of corporation tax will apply from £250,000 and upwards. And then between the £50,000 and the £250,000, a sliding scale will apply to gradually change your average tax rate from the 19%. We could have a link to one of my articles that explains all of this on my website. So the the second factor was whether they intend to reinvest the profits in the business or use them today. The third factor is in relation to whether there is intention to hold the properties for the long term and perhaps pass them on to children or maybe just hold the properties for a relatively short period of time and perhaps realise those capital gains during retirement. This is often the key consideration for somebody determining whether to use a limited company or not. This is often the thing that swings it one way or another. Children swing it. So let's now imagine that somebody owns a property in their own name and they sell that property. And let's say they own it with their their husband or wife or spouse, civil partner, and they make a gain of £100,000. They will pay capital gains tax of £21,000. So how do I get to that figure? Well, each individual gets an annual capital gains allowance of 12 and a half grand. So therefore, across the two spouses, that's 25 grand completely tax-free. So the remaining 75 grand of the gain, assuming that they are higher rate taxpayers, then they will pay a capital gains tax at 28% on that 75 grand gain. And it's only 18% if they are a basic rate taxpayer. That's an individual, they're a high rate taxpayer, they've paid 21 grand in capital gains tax on that 100 grand gain. Let's now imagine that they have sold a property, achieved that same gain, but through a limited company. So straight away, that limited company is going to pay 19% or 19 grand on that capital gain. And that's before considering changes in corporation tax rates that we we just addressed, 19 grand of tax. But again, if they immediately dividend out those profits to themselves, again, they'll pay dividend tax on those. And that would be in the amount of 27,000 pounds. So in total, they've paid total tax of 46,000 pounds, as opposed to just the £21,000 is if held as individuals. So again, if you're planning to sell those properties 
and utilize those profits for you, for yourself to live on perhaps during retirement. Generally, it's better to, to personal ownership. If, however, you have no intention of selling them and you pass those properties on to your, ch- your children, then in effect, capital gains tax becomes a non-issue to a large extent. And indeed, this can be a little bit complex and beyond the scope of this podcast, but it is possible to bring your children on as shareholders to that company. And that's a great way of minimizing inheritance tax, capital gains tax, and whatnot. And it also provides a way of effectively sharing in the income from those properties, whilst both the parents and the children are still alive. That can be done by using different classes of share, as opposed to, say, an individual that owns a property and wants to pass it on to their children during their lifetime. Yes, they can do that, but they also give up the right to the income from those properties. Whereas What I tend to see a lot is whereby the parents want to live on the income from those properties during retirement, but pass on the capital for those properties to their children. Sometimes they might want to use the income from those properties to perhaps pay for university fees and things like that. So this is a real complex topic, particularly when you're considering different classes of shares that really designate the voting rights, the right to capital, the right to dividends of those companies. And that's absolutely what your accountant can help you with. I would also say it's really, really important that whenever you're having these conversations with your accountant or tax advisor, it's also speak to other relevant members of your power team, as it's now known as, and particularly your mortgage broker. Because your accountant may well say, yeah, you can bring on children as shareholders today. Uh, whereas the mortgage broker will say, no, the lenders won't accept that. Or only, only three or four lenders in the market will be happy with children on as, as shareholders. But whereas when, particularly if they are minors as opposed to adults. So again, make sure you talk with your power team about all of these changes before making them. Yeah, I'm doing this at the moment myself, actually. You think I've got about four lenders in the limited company structure and three of them are okay with 20%. One says it has to be less than 20%. So we're going to go for 19% for my daughter. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's exactly it. Each uh, can have very, very different criteria and it's constantly changing as well. So to sum up today's episode on property ownership, Sean identified the three most important factors to consider when deciding whether to set up a limited company for buying property or to buy personally. And they were, firstly, whether you're a basic or higher rate taxpayer in the UK. Secondly, whether you intend to reinvest the profits back into the business or whether you want to live on those profits today. And finally, whether you intend to sell the property later in life or pass your property onto your children. And Sean said that this is often the deciding factor in favour of limited company ownership for many parents. Sean also highlighted that property ownership does not have to be an either-or choice and that it may be in your interest to own some properties personally and some within a limited company structure. If you want to contact Sean, you can reach him at his website, propertytaxaccountant.uk and you can also message him on Instagram at property underscore tax underscore accountant underscore UK and ask to join his mailing list to receive his excellent newsletter. Sean and I will be back tomorrow for episode 25, which will be all about group structures. For new and old listeners alike, if you haven't already done so, please rate, review and subscribe. It really does help. You've been listening to Expat Property Story.